This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. We're going to look at the reason for Easter today. And, you know, it could be, it could be a title, Why Did Jesus Come and Die for Us? Why was there a death, burial, and resurrection? But really, as I kept working on the message, it's really, what about the power of love? What did love do for us? What did God do for us? And one of the ways I want to illustrate this is tell you about a love story between a bird and a fish. Yes, I said a bird and a fish. And these two were head over heels in love with each other. They had one crucial problem in their relationship. They could not meet together. Because if they would meet together, if the, the bird came down to the fish, the bird would drown. If the fish went up to the bird, the fish would suffocate. And so there was no place for them to meet. There was no secret place. There was no place for them to come together. It made it difficult. It made it impossible, really, to, for them to express uh, the deep love that they had for each other because of these conditions that they found themselves in. The, the elements of, of nature had made it that they could not come together. If they did, it would mean death. But it's very similar to what happened between God and Adam. Because Adam sinned, he created an environment very much like the fish and the bird. He created an environment where God could not get close to Adam anymore, and Adam could not get close to God anymore. This, this sin barrier had caused a, a big problem in their relationship. Now, the thing about God, God is a God of love, but He's also a consuming fire. And He has this consuming fire all around him, and what this fire of God does, it defends the holiness of God. And when something that is imperfect, something that is unholy, comes to him, the consuming fire gets it. In other words, if God had gone to Adam as before, Adam would have died. It would have killed him. He could not be in that type of presence of God because it would have killed Adam. In fact, the Bible says that God had to slaughter two animals to cover Adam. And that covering there means, um, that, uh, it means atonement, but it was just a temporary covering. It was something to substitute until something better came along, but have me know that God had a plan. So here's the situation. God loves his, his creation. He loves Adam, but he can't be with him. So this became God's problem only because man had no solution for it. There's nothing that man could do about this situation. 
So only one that could do something about it was God, and God did. What he did, he put into place this system of sacrifices. Remember the blood sacrifices that we read about in the Old Testament. And essentially what he did, the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness, or the wages of sin, there is death. And so what he did to get around this, it's he killed animals instead of killing you. He killed an animal, and he let that blood suffice or cover the sin. So he's working through this system, and he's, he's trying to get close back to his, his kids, to those he loves. And he... He meets up with Moses and he says, Moses, I want you to build me a tabernacle. And you read about the tabernacle and you see that there was countless blood sacrifices from morning to evening. They're, they're slain animals and they're, uh, there's, there's blood and there's burnt offerings. On the brazing altar, there's burnt offerings all the time. All this is going on. But God, I'm sure he was excited because he was able to bring his presence into a certain compartment of that tabernacle, of that tent. Remember, the holiest of holies. God put his presence in there, and once a year, he got to come in contact with someone. It was the high priest, and you remember they would, the high priest had to go through all these this checklist, I mean, this was a checklist that you wanted to check 10 times because it was life or death. If you didn't check it all off, you'd be in trouble. In fact, so much so that they tied a rope around your leg that when you went in to meet with God, in case you messed up somewhere, they pulled you out because you were dead. You remember David when he was moving the Ark of the Covenant? And they, they stumbled and started to fall. And a man reached out to grab the ark where it wouldn't fall. What happened to him? He died. Because you couldn't be in the presence of God. You couldn't touch him because a consuming fire would get you. So this, this thing can, continues on. And it could have been that God could have been satisfied there and said, that's enough. And you know what we'd be doing today? We would, uh, outside here, we'd be slaying lambs. We'd be doing sacrifices from, from then on. And that would be as close as we could be with God. But it wasn't enough for God. And he built, he had them build a temple. So he built the temple. But that wasn't enough. There were still countless blood sacrifices. And it wasn't enough for God just to look through the walls of the temple at you. He had to be closer. He wanted more. And, you know, there's intimacy between friends. When you, when you hug your friend, that's a kind of intimacy. Uh, maybe uh, more, you hug your best friend. You know, that's intimacy. There's more intimacy between a, a husband and wife. But let me tell you what the greatest intimacy is, or perfect intimacy is, when you live inside the one you love. 
never having to say goodbye, I'll see you later. Never having to be without that one that you love because you live inside. And see, that's what happened at the cross. That death, burial, and resurrection, what happened is God created a meeting place. He created within us a place for the Lord Jesus by His Spirit to dwell on the inside of us forever. You don't get closer than that, folks. It wasn't enough just to have some blood sacrifices and meet once a year and just from a distance, God had to be in you. He loved you so much. Look what love did for us. The price that was paid. When Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The anguish, the pain, the price that was paid is beyond what we can imagine. Being separated from Father. It's the only time he called him God. Before he called him Father. But see, he had become sin at that time. And there was a separation. God had a plan. You see this in your notes. God had a plan to have a personal relationship And I put, with me. And this plan is the greatest love story that exists. Nothing else comes close. God planned this before the foundation of the earth. He planned this before we were. Jesus said, I'll go before we were here. Out of love. He loved us so much. In 1 John 4, 9, it says, For in this the love of God was manifested towards us, that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Message Bible says, And this is the kind of love we're talking about, Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. Through the miracle of the death, burial, and resurrection, God made a way for us to have a personal relationship With the creator. See, he's creator for everyone. But he's not everyone's father. To be his child, you have to receive the gift. You have to receive the Lord Jesus Christ and the price that he paid. And then he becomes not only your creator, but he becomes your father. And you become his child. And you become a son or a daughter in the kingdom of God. The key is, is is he your father? Have you made that surrender? Have you made that decision? It's not just repeating some little prayer. It's a heartfelt commitment and surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ. 
says that I will serve him. I will live for him. Anyone that loves me that much, I love him back. We love him because he first loved us. And boy, did he first love us. Jesus had willingly come to the earth. Willingly, he laid aside his might and power and glory. Willingly, he emptied himself. Willingly, he made himself of no reputation. Willingly, he took on the form of a servant. Willingly, accepted the limitations and restrictions of humanity. Willingly, submitted himself to the Father's will. Willingly, accepted the penalty and the punishment of God's wrath in our behalf. Now, I have to think, if the wrath of God came on someone, that's some strong wrath. I believe that wrath would surpass any human's wrath. Can I hear amen? First John 2, it says, We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is propitiation for our sins. Not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Propitiation here means appeasement. Appeasement. Jesus is the appeasement of our sins. Appeasement means the satisfaction of, to satisfy something. He appeased the wrath of God, which the right, was the righteous penalty for disobedience to the law. Jesus took our place. The great exchange. He paid the price. For us, he paid the debt that we owed. He took the punishment and wrath of God for sin that was justified as a righteous judge to give in our place. What a price that was paid for us. Romans 5.9 says, Since we now have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him. How did Jesus satisfy the wrath of God? Jesus suffered the wrath that we deserved. He paid the price for us. Scriptures tell us he became sin. He took the punishment for that sin. The barrier that was there, the environment, this barrier called sin that calls us never to have a close personal relationship with God, Jesus took it and removed it at the cross. He paid the price for sin, and now sin is no longer the issue. The issue is the lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ. What will you do with Jesus? Will you receive the gift or not? Those that don't, there is a judgment coming for those that don't receive the gift and their sins will be judged, and eternity is not long enough for the wrath of God and the price of that sin to be paid for. It will never, ever, 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 ever end. But the precious blood of Jesus paid the price for each and every person. He's the appeasement or the satisfaction of the wrath of God, not for just us, but for the whole world. Each and every person. No one is left out. 
Romans 5.8, God demonstrates His own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, can you imagine you have two, two children? I'd say that one is very dependable. One is always takes care of responsibilities, does what you ask and more. And let's say that person represents Jesus Christ, obedient always to the Father. Always satisfying father. Then this other child is undependable, unreliable, can't be counted on, has problems, has issues, big time. And let's say that represents mankind that had strayed for 6,000 years. And you're leaving home and you're giving responsibility to these two children. These are your chores. This is what I expect you to do. Uh, when I come back, I'm going to inspect and see that you've done these things. So you go away. And while you're away, your dependable one does all the chores and more. Everything's taken care of. Your undependable child has half done everything, didn't complete one single thing, and then you find out carelessly has broken beyond repair one of your most precious possessions, your valuable vase, just broke it to smithereens, can't be repaired, and you come home. And you get the two children together and you start questioning, and you already know deep down, <laughs> but you're asking anyway, oh, she want to be fair. And you're asking these questions, and of course, it becomes very apparent that your undependable child, once again, has been undependable. And you think punishment would be a simple thing, but it's not simple in this case. Because you realize you love the undependable child, and this undependable child is frail. This undependable child is, is weak and cannot carry the, the pain of the, the consequences for his actions. And how can I put punishment on this child because they'll be broken. They can't handle it. But then your innocent child, your dependable child, stands up and says... Father, I'll pay for the vase. Let me pay the price. And you, you accept, you, you lay the responsibility on the innocent son to pay the price, and you accept, accept that as full payment. That's what God the Father did. We couldn't pay the price. He knew that we could not pay. For all eternity, pay the price for sin. But the other son could. And the other son, out of love for us, says, I'll go. I'll pay the price. I'll do it. And Jesus did it. And paid the price. That we could be restored. That we could have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ with Father and Jesus. We'll take them both. Amen.
Romans 6, it says, verse 3, this is what happened in baptism. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. Say goodbye, country of sin. It's not a good country. It's full of terrorists. It's awful. When we came up out of the water, we entered into the new country of grace. How do you like grace country? Merciful goodness of God. A new life that is in a new land. That's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we were lowered into the water, it was like the burial of Jesus. When we were raised up out of the water, it was like the resurrection of Jesus. Each of us is raised up into a light-filled world by our Father so that we can see where we're going in our new grace sovereign country. Could it be any clearer? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ, a decisive end to that sin-miserable life. Now, you can be a Christian and live in sin and be miserable. No rewards that way. No longer it sends every beck and call. What we believe is this. If we get included in Christ's sin-conquering death, love this. We also get included in his life-saving resurrection. We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal of the end of the death as the end. Never again will death have the last word. When Jesus died, he took sin down with him, but alive he brings God down to us. The fish and the bird united. <laughs> Woo, what a love story. Jesus paid the price. And now we are in the country of grace. We've entered into new life. And sin no longer has us in bondage. We're no longer slaves to bondage, slaves to fear, slaves to poverty and lack. Because Jesus became a curse. He took the curse for you and I. And now we can crawl up in the Father's lap and say, Daddy God. I'm so glad to be here. I'm not here because of my own strength, my own power. I'm here because of Jesus Christ. And his blood still speaks and declares that I belong to you. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, it's some good news. No wonder it's the good news gospel. No wonder gospel means good news. It is good news. See, the resurrection is proof. That death had been conquered. The resurrection is proof that the blood of Jesus had done what it was set out to do. That it had conquered and cleansed all the sin of all mankind. All the power of the blood that washed us clean. That we could stand before God as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. As righteous as Jesus is, because now my life is hid in him. And when God the Father sees me, he sees Jesus. He sees him. My life is hid in him. The devil comes against me. I just let my big brother take him, because we're walking together. Something I've said for years, you know. People say, well, God's here, and I know what they mean. God, 
when you just, man, the presence of God's so strong. But I always say, yeah, I know he's here. He walked in with me because he's within me. <laughs> he goes everywhere I go. Me and God, you know, we're like that. And hey, hey. Thank you, God. I, my prayers don't have to get very far. He's inside me. Let me tell you a secret. The secret place of meeting, you can meet the presence of God on the inside of you anytime you want. Chew on that for a while. That's your secret place. The world doesn't have it, but you got it. That's bow our heads. Give you an opportunity this Easter morning to be resurrected, to receive resurrection life, to accept Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. Every head bowed, every eye shut. If today you want to make a duck, declaration. Ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Surrender your life to Him. Maybe you've done it before, but you, you're not hot for God. You're a little bit on the lukewarm side, and you're ready to be hot for God. You're ready to serve Him with everything within you. That's you. I want you to lift your hand. Say, that's me. Thank you, Lord. Let me see some other hands. Yes, see those. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Who else? There's more. Ten, eleven. Thank you, Jesus. I want us all to stand up together. We're going to repeat this together. The Bible says that heaven rejoices when one comes home, when one surrenders to the price that was paid to what Jesus did for us, and we surrender our life to him. Let's all say this together. Dear God, thank you for Jesus. They died for me. He paid the price that I could have a personal relationship with you, my God. And now I call you Father. Now I call you Daddy God because of the blood of Jesus. Jesus went to the cross. He died with my sins. He was raised to walk in new life, resurrection life. And I receive resurrection life. I belong to you. I'm in love with you. Direct my life. Direct my path. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone said, Amen. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll-free at 866-383-8277.
Nothing.